right, you guys, welcome to episode two of Run That Ish Back. I'm your host, Lauren Lee. Okay, so I want to first thank you to everyone that listened to episode one, gave me feedback, everyone that listened to the pilot episode. Um, This is something that I want to continue over time. It's me taking like a leap of faith. So thank you for the love and support and the feedback. Episode two is going to be called Hotels. Um, and I think I need to break that down. So if um, you listen to music or you listen to the Jasmine Sullivan, you know that her new album is called Hotels. Um, the reason I keep saying it like that, Hotels, is because I was on IG and someone was calling the album Hex Tales. And I was like, maybe I'm slow. I was like, maybe I'm not um, reading this right. Or someone was literally calling it like hotels, like days in the Marriott, like hotels. And I was like, I don't think that's right. So if you don't know, I'm like an English teacher by profession. Um, And I was like, I think it's hotels. So I asked one of my friends and she's like, yeah, it's hotels. So it's like, ho, um, you're a ho. Um, and then tales like, you know, dragon tales, the stories that you tell or like, you know, stories or accounts of different events told in the story form. So tales, um, and in the album, you hear like different people's hotels or like in their little preludes or interludes, they're telling like their own story or their events of like their love life. So it's not hex tales, hoax tales, hotels. It's ho, H-O-E, tells, T-A-L-E-S. All right. Um, so back to the album. Um, I have always liked Jasmine Sullivan work, but I'm a diehard Beyonce fan. So story time. Um, for Halloween, I had like a Halloween party and the discussion of like who was one of the best singers of all time came up and it was Jasmine Sullivan. And I was like, um, Jasmine Sullivan can sing really well, but I don't want to say like she's one of the best of all time because she doesn't always have like the work or like the records to show that she's the best of all time. Do I think she can sing? Yes. Do I love her voice? Yes. But I was like, I don't think she's the greatest of all time. I was like, she's no Beyonce. Um, and I was like, I think like Beyonce's the whole package. Like she can sing, you know, she can perform. She has the records and the awards to prove everything. And that was my argument. But as always, people sometimes get mixed up on your argument and come up with like different ideas as to like what they want it to be said that you're saying. Um, and basically I was saying that, yeah, Jasmine Sullivan can sing, but there's plenty of people that can sing that aren't really selling records or getting like national attention due to like their record labels. I think like we have hella singers that can sing, um, like Seven Streeter can sing, who else can sing? Um, let's say even somebody else that can sing that doesn't get public recognition. Um, even Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson can sing, but like her producers or her team doesn't really produce or create items that are necessarily radio ready or produce items that people want to listen to over and over. And I think like in many ways, Beyonce sells a product. She's a brand. Yes, she can sing better than some of the songs that she pr- produces, but she also knows what the people want to hear. And that's what she does on her own. But whatever. Back to Jasmine Sutherland. I would say that this album... Is by far one of my favorites. Um, and I think I like it because of like the story that it tells. I would relate it back to like Lemonade. Everyone knows that Lemonade is the album that talks about like the process and the griefing process you go through when you find out that someone cheated on you or your relationship is almost over. And I think 
what Hotels does is it really goes through, like, <laughs> the plot and events of, like, thinking that you're a nigga and you can, like, operate from the mindset of, like, having no feelings attached and having sex. And ultimately, like, you getting too attached to someone and then you end up breaking their heart and then you have regret. And you try to go back to who you were originally, but you really can't. And I think Jasmine Sullivan does a great way of, like, telling that story. I think some of my favorite songs is the one with her towards the end. Them singing together, I was just like, oh, this is everything. Like, they need to go on concert together. I've seen her in concert before, and her live is just, like, everything. Live music, like, her playing different instruments. So I would love to see how that looks with Jasmine Sullivan. Um, my next one is, like, DC's own Ari Lennox. Um, that was a good song because I was like, oh, yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're with a man even when you don't need to be with them or they don't have everything together, but you're just there for the dick. Yes, Um and then, you know, my other song that's on the radio, Feelings. All right, yes, that's my song. Y'all just got to peep with my voice when I make it big. Just know that you heard it here first. And if it didn't tell that well, just, you know, let me do it again. But I can sing. Yeah, I think it's just like a good story. Um, I do like like the whole thing together. It kind of gave me like miseducation of Lauren Vibes. And to be honest with you, I was like, this really shouldn't have been an EP. This should have been an album. And I don't really know what it what's the difference really between an EP and an album, maybe like the amount of songs. But I was like, sometimes artists be, you know, missing the mark of like downplaying things. This could have legit been an album. I think it's a great piece of work. I find myself listening to it when I'm in my car. If you don't know, the best place to, to listen to an album or determine how good an album is, is in the car. So I listen to it when I'm dropping Nigel off to school or like when I'm going to Target. And I was like, oh, this is a really good piece of work. And I don't really give a lot of credit. But yeah, Jasmine did that. Back to music. This versus battle between Ashanti and Keisha. Listen, you guys, I don't know about you, but I don't even want it no more. I was excited. I was listening to the different playlists. I made my playlist and I was just like, okay, this is about to be epic because before I was a Beyonce fan, I was an Ashanti fan because, you know, Ashanti was out when Destiny's Child was still together. And I didn't really think Beyonce was going to transition well to like, um, a single artist, um, because I really wasn't feeling dangerously in love. I didn't become a real diehard. Beyonce fan until B-Day, but I was like an Ashanti fan. And I was like, oh, I like this little girl from New Jersey, you know, two-parent home. She seems so happy. She makes like the little sing-alongs that I can listen to in the car. And I was really an Ashanti fan. And I was like, oh, I'm ready for this because I was like, although I love Ashanti, Keisha has the hits. Like Keisha's first, second, and maybe third album, I was playing that on repeat in high school, like as if my heart was really being broken. And I was like, she has it. Like, I remember when Keisha sung Love at the BET Awards and she walked from the back to the front and I was like, nah, girl, you don't really have the stamina for that. And she was like kind of out of breath, but she still sang good. And even the videos back in the day. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a good mix up. But the thing about it is when Ashanti canceled the first time, I was like, it's not even because of COVID. You're just not about shit. Like, I was like, and she came up with all these excuses and Keisha didn't know. I was just like, Ashanti's full of it. Like... I feel like Ashanti and Keisha haven't been greater than what they are because of their own selves. Like they're kind of in their own way of success. And that could be something that's like leaving your record company or your record label or, you know, really working with the people that you need to work with. Or like really like based on Keisha from what I saw on the TV show, like really listening to the people around you and taking their advice seriously. I think both of them have talent to be much more than what their past was. 
but they don't really do what they need to do to be great. And I think this is the first sign. And I was like, Ashanti's already fucking up. I think Keisha was ready, and I appreciate that for her. But even when it was canceled the second time, I'm like, nah, we can get somebody else. I don't even want to hear it anymore. The playlist did enough for me. So I'm just like, we keep pushing this off as if we don't have other artists that can compete with one another. I don't think the views are going to be as high as it was the first time. So it's kind of like a dub. Like, let's just put this away, throw it away. All of us, you know, just watch a few episodes of Keisha Cole with Frankie and her mother and just laugh a little bit. That's all we have to do. Or think about how Ashanti was messing with Ergotti and we thought she was wrestling with Ja Rule. Just let's all have a little chuckle and just move on. You're not the topic of discussion anymore. We don't want to hear it. Ashanti, yes, you are body goals, but go back to Africa performing your little songs because we don't want to really hear it anymore. I do think that uh, Keisha can make another album because she can actually sing I think Ashanti can hold a note. I don't think she can really sing. I also don't like Ashanti sometimes because of how she butchered um, the late great Whitney Houston song on Good Morning America. I'll never forget that. So yeah, I don't really want the versus battle. I think we can move on to someone else and just call it what it is. Two people that just fail to meet the level of success that they should and could be able to if they did the work. Next on the list is Soho Karen. Soho Karen. So if you don't know who I'm talking about, Soho Karen is the girl that was in the hotel in New York, basically attacking like a 15, 16 year old man, not man, boy, because he thought, she thought um, that he took her cell phone. So like the boy is like attempting to like show her his cell phone and like, be like, no, I didn't take your phone. But the father was like, no, that's not what you're going to do. And just like any other parent, I'm like, girl, get the fuck. You're not seeing my son's phone. You're acting crazy as hell. And I think, like, you know, she's a Karen because she was acting crazy and he ended up not even having it. Like, being, dropping on the floor, jumping on people, screaming with, like, some um, pool shower flip-flops on in the middle of December. Like, make it make sense. Like, acting a pure-ass fool. And you could tell like this little boy was scared because I could only imagine I have two little brothers and I have a son. And just if you see anything on the news, you could know how this can go left very quickly. And even like the hotel manager was like, oh, can you show the phone? No, the fuck I can't because I didn't steal your phone. And it's like I paid to stay here just like she stayed to pay here. So no, keep that same energy. And so the father's like, no, we're not going to show anything. She's still following. So, you know, the father goes on social media to tell people what happened. And the black community just stands up. The black community is there for this little black boy. The black community is there for the father. Because at the end of the day, it's just a fucked up situation. Um, and it's like, you could have asked around instead of like blaming people. So, like, it doesn't even stop there. It gets worse. So, we come to find out with a little research that she has, like, warrants in New York and in California for, like, DUIs. But do, does anyone try to arrest her? No. But we know who she is. But, you know, that's white. That's whiteness right there. Because, you know, no one is protected more than the white woman. <laughs> and everyone knows how I feel about white women, if you really know me. But that's another episode. But, yeah. So Gail does an interview with Soho Karen with her lawyer and Gail's like really trying to understand like why she felt her actions were appropriate to kind of assault this young boy when he didn't have her phone. And Soho Karen was like, well, I'm only 21. I'm only 22. 
I'm not even really grown. So you can only understand how I felt being around these big men, intentional words, like these big people and like feeling unsafe and really just trying to find my phone because I thought he took it. Like I can't be held accountable because I'm not grown. Girl, you're 22. Black people don't even get the chance of getting past like eight without being considered older than what they are and being held accountable. So what we're not going to do is try to downplay the fact that you showed your ass at 22 and someone should have arrested your ass based on the way that you were acting and assaulting this young boy. Because let it have been a black man harassing a white little girl like that, it would have been a whole different story. Or let it, let me tell you what the different story would have been. Let it have been my son with me present. Because if his mother was present, I promise you she wouldn't have had that same energy. But back to the Gail interview. She's in the interview and she basically like tells Gail to stop and like does the hand movement and everything. And if you haven't seen it, like go look it up on YouTube because when it happened, it was like I knew Gail myself or it was like she was disrespecting me myself. I was like, what the fuck? No, she did not just mute Gail or tell her to hush or stop. Like, who are you? She looks dusty. She has like this regular dusty black hat, maybe from PacSun that says daddy. She looks like she hasn't brushed her hair, has on the same outfit she had on in December when she showed her ass. Her lawyer is sitting next to her like, like, oh no, this is not what I want to do. This is not what I signed up for. Like they had already created a script and she's going off script. So the lawyer is slightly embarrassed. And like, also like, that's not how you talk to people. And like, she's just disrespecting Gail. And Gail is just sitting there like, okay, I'm gonna take it. Cause you know, at the end of the day, black people have to take what white people give us. We, we don't have the luxury of acting a fool because we'll be unemployed or we'll be seen as the angry black person despite white people showing their ass. So she goes on like to mute Gail and come up with more excuses. But it, let me tell you, here we go again. It doesn't stop there. Her and her mother are driving in Cali. She's clearly drunk. The police officer pulled her over because they're both drunk and she has a DUI again. She's fighting the cops. Like they have her down on the ground. She weighs, She looks like she weighs 125 pounds wet. The police officers have like their knee in her back, pushing her down, trying to cuff her. She's still fighting back, grabbing at the police officer. They cuff her. She rolls over on her back, refusing to get up. And I'm just like... A black person can't even say that they can't breathe or say that they have asthma without getting shot. And here this white girl is acting another motherfucking fool and nothing is happening to her. Like, if you don't understand the state of America, this little Soho Karen lets you down. Because, you know, white women, they're so close to power and still have no power. They're only protected by white men. And, and even that, for that reason, I don't know why, because it's not like they're trying to protect them to give them power or to preserve them. If anything, they're just trying to protect them to silence them because they don't have any more real power to silence anyone else in the world. Um, but yeah, and I'm just like, how much does she have to do for her to really get arrested? So did she get arrested? Is she now in jail? Um, did she get killed because she was acting a fool and like assaulting a police officer? And I'm just like... This is the same energy she did with this black boy. So like, I don't know why anyone is surprised, but it's also like another, you know, moment for black people realizing that we can't do the same things that these white people do. Like, it's just foolish. Next on the list is Clubhouse. Let me tell you this. So I've only been in two clubhouse sessions where I really felt that I was like, oh, this is really informative. It's like a conversation. I agree with some of the things that people were saying. So my friend Therese, um, she held one maybe a week and a half ago about like the strong woman, um, 
like an assertive woman. And that episode was really good because it had like a, a, a series of panelists with like different experiences as a woman, also how men perceive women. And it was just a good conversation. It wasn't any people in the background uh, crying or like babies crying or doing things outside of recording the episode. And I felt that was good. Another one I went to was about education. You know how like black people have to kind of like do more than what the school gives for their children when it comes to education, especially in this virtual space. But most times when I'm on Clubhouse and I'm never in a room more than two minutes, it's because everyone just feels as though they're an expert or the saying is, oh, I'm about to drop some gems or trying to tell people what they shouldn't do. And I'm just like, you go to their Instagram pages and they're just like regular degla. They don't have any real followers. They're not really trained or uh, a licensed official to be giving this information. And I think that's the problem with like the current state of social media. Anybody can pose as anybody and it's dangerous because people are gullible and they like, they take this information as like from people as like straightforward. They take it as like, oh, this is real. Like, this is what I need to do in my life. And I'm just like, many of y'all people that are on Clubhouse, you're not experts. It's dangerous as hell for you to be saying these things and like giving people um, information based on your own opinion and not fact. Um, and it's also like kind of like dangerous for people to be so willing to listen and change their life based on what other people say. I think what I realized the most on Clubhouse is that a lot of people need to go to um, counseling. And the reason I say that is because like one, these speakers are lying about who they are. So you need to figure out why you're lying and why you feel the need to lie. And I also think like listeners need to um, kind of figure out why are you so gullible to consume information without doing the background or the research to determine if what they're saying is true. I don't really care for Clubhouse. Um, I don't. I only tend to like join rooms of people that I, you know, know, know what they're talking about or like respect in a particular field. Um, and even then it's like, I'm going to eat the meat and throw away the bone. Meaning, you know, my grandmother used to say that, like take what's for me and, you know, throw away what else I don't think is for me. But I think everyone doesn't have that skill. And I think that's the danger in clubhouses because everyone considers themselves an expert. And sometimes you can just be talking from opinion, but a lot of people be talking like, oh, what they're saying is fact. Like even on this episode or this podcast, I'm not really offering people, um, you know, opinions about what they should do with their life for real, for real. Because at the end of the day, I'm no expert. Now you ask me some questions about like how to teach middle school, high school English. I can give you some information. Or if you ask me about, you know, how am I raising a five-year-old and a baby that's about to be one, I can give you some um, opinions or some ideas of things that I've done to be effective, but I'm still no expert. And I think um, creating all these spaces where people can talk so freely is just dangerous. It's just not the best thing to do. So I'm not a clubhouse fan. I do think I have entered some spaces that have been great, but for the most part, it's an app that just consumes space on my phone. Next. I've been struggling sometimes with struggling this one to pronounce this woman's name. So I usually just call her by her last name because I don't want to be one of those people that does not pronounce someone's name correct, but I think it's Kamla or Kamla, Kamala, Kamla, whatever. I'm sorry. I'm going to just say Harris. Now, Harris is the first of many things. She's the first woman VP 
She's the first black VP. She's the first woman or person of Indian descent VP of the United States of America. So that's already a big thing. Um, and I think a lot of things can grow in this space if her team is smart. Um, and I also think, you know, how I feel about Biden. I think she might be, you know, the first black female president VP. I mean, president, because I don't necessarily think Biden may make it through the next four years. Um, you know, he sprained his ankle playing outside with his dog. So I could just only imagine what the stress of America after Trump is going to do to him. But let us all pray. Um, she was on the cover of Vogue and... <laughs> You know, my last episode was about HBCUs and all I saw was that pink and green and just immediately thought how many AKAs were just rolling over in their grave about the disaster that what that cover was. Um, and it was just a disaster. And like when you look at the other pictures that they could have chosen from, I was just like, this is intentional. Like America and fashion and just Anna Winter is very and are very intentional about like making black people look foolish. If it's not the editing, the lighting or the position they put you in, they didn't do something as stupid as like putting these random drapes up that maybe look like tablecloths or come from your grandmother's house in the back of her with her standing in a suit not even like the nicest of suits. I don't even think this suit is equal to like some of the suits I have from Zara. And some Chuck Taylors. And I'm like, I get that's her her look with like walking around meeting and greeting people, but not on the cover of no magazine. And what really pissed me off is that she had another picture where she was like in this nice suit, um, like a little soft blue Tiffany's, not even Tiffany's, but like a soft blue suit. Her, her smile didn't look as goofy. She looked very much so about business and she just looked beautiful. And I was like, why the hell didn't they pick this cover instead of like this one? So I did a little more research. You see, I said research before I came here. And it, I found out that like her crew or her team didn't even approve of the picture that they put on the cover. The one they approved of was the one that Vogue then posted after they got so much flack about the quality of the picture they submitted. And I'm just like, it reminded me of like Michelle Obama when she first started out. So you remember when Michelle Obama first started out as like the first lady, she had nothing on but like basic Drake j crew items but not the ones that you would necessarily buy yourself her hair was always like slicked back into a little bun you know she has very strong features so she always looked a little more angry or serious serious and not really soft and like the michelle obama that we know today is not the michelle obama that we could even perceive back in like 2008 2009 and i just thought i was like harris should not have to go through the same struggle or prop process that Obama went through because like we already know what to do and like I'm really interested in like how many times is her team going to really put her in like black labels or like black up-and-coming labels or like in her traditional like um Indian heritage items when she goes to these like you know dinners and galas I'm also like wondering like how is her look going to develop over time because I think you know, she looks good, but she's also like looking good and being on magazine covers or like being seen in public is different. It's a different skill. I struggle with it because I, I can't do the IG faces that get you all the likes. I'm more so like in the moment, um, like you take a picture while I'm doing something. That's the most, the ones I think look the best, but like she has to learn how to pose, how to smile, how to make sure that she looks a certain way. But it's also a situation where like these magazines can't keep harassing black women or making them look a certain way because they don't want to develop or put the right people in front or behind the camera to make sure things don't look 
terrible. I think it could have been hella black people to take this woman's picture and made it look a little better. Hell, like we've seen other black people on the cover of Vogue and other magazines where it's look great. Call those people up when you're taking pictures of black people. Because I know it sounds ignorant, like white people act like they don't know how to take pictures of black people, but I think some of them don't. And they are intention intentional in how they take pictures of black people. So call the black photographers up. Call up the black editors because it's a, it's a plethora of um, options and we don't have time for Harris ever looking the way she did on the Vogue magazine again. Like, it's like you want to buy it because it's historic, but you also want Vogue sales to go down to like remind them that this is trash. But it's also like, you know, she's our first black VP, so we need to support. But it's also like, can we get a reprint? Can we get some new covers with the one that she approved to be on the cover? And it's just like, well, y'all just ain't shit, ain't never been shit, ain't ever going to be shit moving forward. Yeah, you're going to still making your money, but it's like, you just keep dropping the ball. Or maybe it's no ball for you to pick up because you've already deflated it. I don't know. Since we're talking about Harris, let's get to these political officials that are resigning. And like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, it took white people being white for you to say, um, nah, this is not for me. Let me, uh, let me leave. Let me gather my bags and step out. Because I'm like, Trump has done hella stupid crap before this. Not on, maybe on this magnitude, but I do feel as though he's done stupid things on a bigger magnitude. It just hasn't been as public. For you to be like, nah, it's time for me to go. Or it could have been like the lack of experience you have to even have this role, Betsy, for you to be like, you're going to go. So a lot of you all stepping down from positions don't sit well for me or don't do anything for me because I'm just like, oh, it took this to break the camel's back. <laughs> it took him showing you who he really is for you to be like, nah, this ain't for me. Because I think of like the George Bush saying like, you know, you fool me once, shame on you. Um, <laughs> Y'all can't get fooled again. Or J. Cool, like, you fooled me once, shame on you. You fooled me twice, um, shame on me. You fooled me three times to load the chopper, let it rain on you. That's how I feel. <laughs> Trump has fooled y'all about five, six times, and I just don't know why you're now at the point of leaving. Like, go ahead and leave. We don't give a fuck. The government has done nothing for us this year. I have said it again. <laughs> I think all of us should be able not to file taxes. Like, give us all our money back. <laughs> Just give us all our money back because the government has failed us in so many ways. You already know how I feel like America is the laughing stock of the world. And I'm just like, you political figures stepping down. It's just like, no one gives a fuck. You have already done your destruction. You have already like impacted our lives. So you stepping down now, it's just like, it's a little too late for me to give a fuck. Okay. On a lighter note, um, you know, our all-time favorite, Zendaya, um, beautiful woman, beautiful. Um, she has a new movie with Denzel's Washington Sons. I hate the fact that I don't know his name. I believe his name is David John or John David in <laughs> um, a new movie called Malcolm and Marie. Now, when it came out on social media with like the trailer, I had to watch it a few times because I was a little confused. I was like, is this a movie? Or is it a monologue? Um, and just based on, you know, the video clip, I said, I think it's like a movie that takes place in one particular place. It's similar to like American Son with um, Kerry Washington. And it's like a monologue. Uh, so I looked it up and it's, um, it's about how a couple that's in love with each other, but the, what's his name? Malcolm didn't really show appreciation to Marie when she did something. So it, sh it starts like a whole argument and it goes, the film goes through the, like their whole argument 
and like the things that are said during the argument and the impact of those things are said. Because, you know, sometimes if you're in a relationship, even if you apologize, you don't ever really forget what somebody says when they're mad because you'd be thinking that, you know, what they say when they're mad is really the truth, similar to like when they're drunk. Um, but it's given me very much so August Wilson vibes. Like Fences or even um, the new one that just came out with Viola Davis is giving me very much so monologue. Like you have to catch the pieces of when they're really talking to pick up the gems. It's not, I think visually it's beautiful because it seems to be in a very black and white vibe. I also like the fact that Zendaya is growing up. Like she's getting more films and more offers where like you're able to see her um, acting range and see her outside of Disney characters. I also think like um, John David Washington or David John Washington has like really uh, blown up a little bit. Like I remember I was watching him on the show Ballers. I've also saw him in Black Klansman. I do think like his voice in Black Klansman is very much so his voice in this, um, you know, series Malcolm and Marie. Um, but yeah, I'm interested. Uh, a line that stood out to me from the trailer is like she was saying, uh, Marie or Zendaya was saying, when you find someone you love, you know, it's all good, but it seems like once you realize that person loves you or you love them, you tend not to care anymore and you don't care anymore until that person is about to leave. And I think sometimes that happens in relationships because, you know, you get so used to the person, like that person is always there. I don't really have to cater to them anymore because I have them. And I'm very interested to see how like their dialogue is going to expose some things. And I'm very interested to like talk about the film in another episode. But yeah, I'm interested. I'm going to watch regardless because it's too black people in a love story. I'm also going to watch because it's, it's, it's Zendaya. So yeah, look out for that. It's coming out next month on Netflix. Now, I feel um, that this is going to be a problematic statement. Um, but as you know, I don't care. And you can run that ish back to hear me again about what I'm about to say. These challenges on TikTok and Instagram are just getting a little too much for me. It's like, I can't even click through stories without seeing a challenge. And it's like all of us are just sitting at home bored. And I think some of us have kind of aged out of some of these challenges. But, you know, forever young in Jay-Z's voice, forever young. Um, and it's just like, I'm just like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing all these challenges. So the, the new challenge right now is the Busset Challenge. <laughs> and Lauren Lee is not going to be doing no challenge one because, you know, I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> I just started doing reels. Um, and dancing is really not my forte. But it's also, I'm not doing the Busset Challenge because I have no ass. And um, I am able to really acknowledge the fact that I have no ass. But I think some of these people doing this Busset Challenge I don't know what you're busting because you have no ass. So it's like you standing, looking a little rough, then jumping down in another outfit. And all I'm seeing is like hip and back. Like it's no ass there. Now, mind you, I've seen someone's with ass. And I'm like, oh, this looks okay. This looks nice. But it's also like, you know, if you're not going to edit it properly, if things are not going to be on beat, you should just, you know, keep it <laughs> because it just doesn't look right. And I'm kind of over it because what I'm noticing is that I'm seeing more people my age and older doing this challenge and not even some of my students that follow me on Instagram. And it just doesn't sit well in my soul. When is, um, you know, there an age cap on things? When is there like, you know, 
a talk? Like, do we have people on our team that tell us yes and people that tell us no? Like, where is your no team? Where is the team of people that are like, nah, dog, mm-mm, that's not what you should do. Mm-mm, nope, 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 mm-mm, that doesn't go well. Or, Lauren, you should go back in the back and, like, review your outfit. <laughs> or you should lay down those edges. Or, you know, maybe you don't need that extra milkshake. You need some no-team members because these yes people have y'all out here looking like pure-ass fools. It, 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 it is. Instagram for a 14 to, through 21-year-old is different than what Instagram is for a 22 to 30-year-old. Or even what a Instagram is for 30 and above. Like, it's like, it's not what we should be doing. Some of you all need to really be transitioning to Facebook or some of you all should just be using um, Instagram as a throwback option. You know, all the times when you were great or young or in your prime because you're not currently there now and you kind of look foolish um, doing these things. I can go on, but let me just stop. Let me just take a moment. Yeah, I'm gonna just move on. All right. The next thing is like COVID. COVID has been here for almost a year and I don't think it's done yet. Like I feel like the second wave of COVID is coming back really strong. And I can't talk about COVID without talking about LA. So LA is now at the place where like hospitals are not even accepting patients and they're having like forums amongst doctors to determine like who should live and who should die. And I'm just like, oh, this is like, like my uh, spiritual upbringing, my apostolic upbringing is like, oh, I need to get in the church or I need to call my grandmother to get right back in line with God. Because if, if 2020 has shown me anything, it has shown me the book of revelations. If you don't know what I mean, just go look it up. Um, And then the people that do know what I mean, you know what I mean. It's like the book of revelations. Like people are sitting in circles trying to determine like, who we can help, who we can't help, what we're going to do for the people we can't help. And it's also to the place where like COVID has become so rampant. Again, it's like they don't even have enough beds to bring in new people. And all I can continue to think about is like the people that are still debating if they need to wear masks, debating if they are actually two feet or six feet away from each other, the ones that are still in the club smoking hookah, the ones that are still traveling, um, People that have yet to take COVID tests, the ones that are just still in public venues as if they don't have a responsibility to themselves or the ones that they are around to be like a little more cautious. And like, I'm not going to lie to you, I am dying for a vacation. I have even thought about it a few times of taking my little self to Tulum and posting my pictures out on the beach. But I can't wrap my head around, you know, the price of a vacation. And what I mean by the price is not the money, the currency. I mean the price of maybe dying just because I want to get some sun. Or maybe infecting somebody else just because I want to only think about myself by being selfish. And it's like to the point right now where like, I don't really understand how people can continue to live like this. Even if you're like, I'm being precautious, I'm doing all these things. It's like, even people that are being precautious are still getting sick. Like, just sit down, calm down. Like, 
This is another reason people need to go to therapy. And this is why like, I need to get another session. It's because COVID has really forced us to really get to know ourselves. And some of us don't like ourselves. And that is perfectly normal. But you can use this time to get into know yourself and doing the work so you do like yourself. Um, all this traveling is just not safe. It's not what you should be doing. People are dying. Like, you know, people are not... Hey, people are not well. And the world is about to be shut down. I don't see... At first, I thought we would be out of by last June. I don't really see us out of this to almost August of this year. But what 2020 showed me is like, you know, I tell God my plans and God's laugh. Because um, God laughed at all of us in 2020. And I'm just like, just chill out. Do what you need to do to stay in your house, to stay safe. You know, social distance. And just, you know, do all that. Because what I'm not also going to do is like feel empathetic when things go left or add to your GoFundMe because you don't even have life insurance, but you traveling to Tulum. <laughs> I just, I just don't get it. Sit your ass down because people are really fighting for their lives while you just trying to fight for an Instagram picture. But that's another discussion. I think even with COVID, it's like the TV shows that are coming back, they're talking about it. So if you've seen or if you watched the show The Resident, I watched it last night. The first episode is about like when COVID hit. And they did a good way of like showing how the virus spread, how it, like doctors were sick, how, you know, doctors were worried about their family members. And just show the impact of what COVID had. And I was watching that episode and I immediately got sad. It's like, one, it's not that I didn't know these things were happening, but like the visual, the presentation, I was just like, oh, this is really good. And it was like, it's really scary because people still think it's not real or it's a fad or, you know, I can still do this and be safe. And I'm just like, I just think about the people that have really lost their life. One, trying to fight for people to stay alive during this. People that could not stop working um, and had to work and they died. People that, you know, are sick but don't have the healthcare options to get the services they, that they need. And also just thinking of like the people or the doctors that are in the positions of like determining who lives or dies or the family members of the people that have to die. It's just like, just think about all those things kind of like make you reflect and realize that you just need to sit the fuck down, <laughs> you know, chill out. And if it doesn't, something's wrong with you. I, I'm fine with saying that. Something's wrong with you. On to the biggest topic of this sub of this subject or the biggest topic of this episode or the biggest topic this week. Let's talk about Lori Harvey and Michael B. Jordan. All right. So Lori's birthday was yesterday. Come to find out she's only 24. 24. I can remember when I was 24. Um, nine days prior, I had just had Nigel. So yeah, 24 was a very interesting space, a space where I had to really grow up. But, um, the discussion isn't about Lori Harvey's age. The discussion is about how Lori Harvey is now dating Michael B. Jordan. You know, the man who all black women seem to love and want or believe they have. Um, but he's come to let you know that you don't. He's come to let you know that he is standing Lori Harvey and this is the girl that has his heart. All right. So. Now, are people mad that Michael B. Jordan is in a relationship? Kind of. <laughs> are people mad that at him because he chose Lori Harvey? No. But are people mad at Lori Harvey because she's dating Michael B. Jordan? Hell yes. Now, here's my opinion. <laughs> I love me some Lori Harvey. I think Lori Harvey can write a playbook for a lot of women. Um, and I'm going to explain it a little bit. I think... Um, 
what she's doing is very much so uh, aligned to Jasmine Sullivan's album. It's very much so aligned to, you know, what many of us believe is not right. But in fact, what we're doing is wrong. But let me tell you. So people already are hesitant to like Lori Harvey due to her dating history, but especially her mother. So Marjorie Harvey, beautiful too, is now married to Steve Harvey. But before she was married to Steve Harvey, she was kind of like in the black mafia. So let me explain. Marjorie Harvey was married to one man um, due to drugs or killing. I don't know why he went to jail. Um, He went to jail and he was in jail for a while. And then they had like, you know, she had got money from him, like raising her children and stuff. So she was living a nice, comfortable life. While he was in jail, they most likely got a divorce. I don't know if she started dating beforehand. She ended up with his cousin. <laughs> so the same family reunion. <laughs> she just happened to put uh, her husband, who was in prison, away. And then date- dated his cousin. So then she ended up marrying the cousin. And um, I think the thing about Marjorie, she's very intentional about the bag. And she's going to do what she can to make sure that she secures the bag. So she moved on from that cousin, which was her husband, to Steve Harvey. And, you know, um, she's kind of upgraded Steve Harvey's look. He's finally put those uh, Steve Harvey, the the high tower show uh, suits away. He has more fitted suits. I don't know if she's still working on those teeth, but those piano keys need to go. Uh, Maybe she can get those shades a little smaller, but they're too big. Um, But she's kind of like upped his look. And Marjorie is fine. She looks well for her age. She has multiple children. Her skin is still moisturized. You can tell that, you know, she does her nightly routine. Um, and yeah, she's a pretty woman. And so she's the mother of Lori. Lori is not Steve Harvey's father. I mean, Lori is not Steve Harvey's biological daughter. But once they became married, she took on Steve Harvey's last name. So Lori is basically like, you know, an influencer, a model. I don't know what she's really done with her life outside of Instagram. But yeah, she's a pretty girl. She's modeled in a few shows, Dolce & Gabbana. And yeah, she's just nice to look at. So, you know, that's perfect for Instagram. Um, during her 18 to her current age of 24, she has been engaged. She's also dated like a race car driver. She's dated Future. She's dated Trey Songs. Um, she's dated Diddy or his son. <laughs> and she is now dating Michael B. Jordan. And this is where the problem happens. People don't like Lori Harvey because of the amount of people that she has dated and they consider her a hoe or they consider her like a clout chaser. Meaning that like, you know, she goes where the money resides. <laughs> yeah, she's very intentional about who she dates. Um... And I think that's what we need to take away from it. What I like about Lori um, is that she's intentional. I've had like conversations with friends where they like, oh, she's only dating them for their money or like, you know, she's having sex with these people or like she's a hoe. And I think what we need to take away from all of this is that all of these are um, accusations and speculations because we don't know if any of our thoughts are facts because Lori teens... Her team, her PR team keeps shit very tight and locked down. None of these men have ever ever publicly spoken about their relationship with Lori. None of these men have ever, ever bashed her. Other women influencers aren't really bashing her. So like all of these thoughts that we have about her are very much so the theories that we have created in our mind or have um, put together based on women that we think we know like Lori. I don't think... Lori is doing anything wrong because I think, um, myself included and other women, we have done far more for niggas with far less. 
And what I mean by that is similar to Jasmine Sullivan's album, we have niggas that have still lived with their mother and we are willing to go pick them up just to get some D. We have had men that had no money telling us what to do as if we weren't the ones that were wearing the pants in the relationships. So we have bent over backwards for men um, and I'm just like, why are we hating on this woman that refuses to bend over backwards? I think what Lori Harvey, do Lori Harvey does is that she dates with intention and she dates up. Many American women or even African-American women, we do not date up. We date down or we date equal. And it's sometimes, you know, the dating down. And usually we date down because one, um, you know, they're easier to get or they have the best D. And sometimes we date equal because, you know, we feel as though they have the same amount of money or the same type of lifestyle that we have. So yeah, that's, that's fair. But we rarely date up. We rarely date for like real women rarely date up for the intention of like game because like we have been told that that type of thing makes you a hoe. And I don't necessarily think that makes you a hoe. I think it's Foolish, And even for myself, when I say all of this, I'm speaking to myself. Let me minister to you from my experience. I think I have been a fool not to date up or date for profit. Because I think a lot of things that I have had to experience would have been eliminated if I spent more time being very intentional of who I was dating and not necessarily taking the one that gave me attention or the one that was convenient or the one that I thought could have been for a little bit and prolonged it a little longer due to comfort. So dating with intention can look very different. Dating with intention can mean like you're dating to fuck, meaning they're just, they're just a fuck boy. You're just trying to call them up and get it when you need it. You could be dating for a relationship, you know, for something that turns to something a little more serious. You could be dating for marriage, meaning that you're looking for your husband, you have no time to waste. Or you can be dating for a come up, meaning like, like you're only looking for partners that are able to elevate your lifestyle. And I think what happens is that people don't date with intention. So someone like Lori Harvey that is dating so much with intention makes you uncomfortable. I said it, it makes you uncomfortable. And I think we can't necessarily point the finger at Lori Harvey. I think we just have to evaluate why we have done so little to really get the type of men or lifestyle that we want. And I think sometimes we think dating up only means money. No, dating up could be maturity. Dating up could be like emotional stability. Dating up could be multiple things, but we only focus on money. But it's also why the hell wouldn't you want to date somebody up with money? Like, why are we hating on this woman? Because like she finds men that fits in her category and that's the only men that she goes after. Men have been doing this shit for years. And I'm not saying that we have to do it just because men are doing it. I'm saying, but like, we can't knock her hustle because we haven't got to the level of trying to do it. Like, why would she want to date someone that couldn't give her more than what her father was giving her? Why wouldn't she want to date someone that's not able to like, you know, put it down for her in the way that she needs it? Dating, <laughs> here's another theory with dating that people forget. You can date as many people as you want at one time. <laughs> Let me say that again. You can date as many people as you want at one time. Dating is not a relationship. Dating is almost the, um, the getting to know you phase of trying to determine if I even want to be in a relationship with you. That's what sometimes I think women and men get confused. I can date five people trying to get to know them to determine who I want to get to the next level. Like just because I'm dating you doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to choose you. But I think sometimes people date and then exclusively date one person when the other person is dating multiple people. Dumb, dumb, the fool, that's you. Dating, you can date whoever you want. Until it's official that that is your girlfriend, your boyfriend, 
you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. And even when someone is your girlfriend and boyfriend, this might not, might not be popular. You are not um, locked in to not pursue other people, even when you're married. Now, I do feel as though when you're married, you should, that's the, like the lock in to say, this is the person I want to do my life with, so you shouldn't be cheating. But it's also a situation where like, you don't have to stay in any relationship longer than what you want. And I think the problem with black women, we stay in situations longer than what we want. We're not very clear about the situations that we want. We're not very clear about what we plan to get out of a relationship. We just hop on things and get attached to things longer than what we need. And then we end up regretting it. But what I think we can't do is we just can't hate on Lori because she is like, she's doing what we all wish we could have done or all did in our twenties. The girl's only 24. If she wanted to switch up her men every year, let her be. This is the phase of life when you're supposed to pursue life in a way of finding yourself and with a level of freedom because you really have no other responsibilities right now. She doesn't really have to work. She comes from a level of wealth where she's going to be fine regardless. So she has the time to do these type of things. And she also has the freedom to do it because she's young. Because here, here, here it is. We have a whole family, which I should not name, that is intentionally dating black men with money. And they have made a hell of money off the black community. And we don't give them half the amount of judgment we give Lori Harvey. I'm someone that doesn't necessarily watch their show, but I own a pair of Yeezys and a pair of Skims. So if you're trying to figure out which family I'm talking about, there it goes. Like we cannot judge Lori Harvey if we don't even like treat Kim the same way. <laughs> Kim came up off of a, a sex tape with a black man. So why the hell can't we let Lori, who was doing far less and keeping it way more secretive for dating men that are aligned to the lifestyle that she wants? <laughs> let us just take a moment to think about that. And if you think like, oh, it's something different, Kim was different, you need to go to therapy too. <laughs> you need to get your sister together and reflect, <laughs> for real, for real. Because what I can say is that although black people are, um, you know, supposed to be supporting black people, black people have sometimes been trained to be harder on each other than white people law. Like we have been trained to necessarily be very much so empathetic for white people and not necessarily empathetic for people that look like us. So Lori is doing whatever the fuck that she wants to do and I support it. I think Lori can write a book about all of these experiences later on in her life and you best believe I'm going to buy it because I want to know all the tea. Now, am I living my life similar to Lori? No, but I will enjoy a good story. She has necessarily bathed herself in her father's book, Think Like a Man. <laughs> she has bathed herself in that book. She has perfected it. <laughs> so yeah, maybe some of us need to go pick up that book <laughs> and bathe in it too. And then uh, lastly, uh, lastly, you know, we just have to do what we have to do to protect black women. Black women look very different. Black women do things very differently. It's not one way that we have to do things. And we can't necessarily publicly bash a black woman because she's not doing something that we understand or support. Protect them at all costs because the thing about being black woman and the protection of black women means is that there's not one category. The only category is that we're protecting all of them at all costs. I also think that Michael B. Jordan might be the very thing that, you know, I'm not going to say tames her, but I'm very interested to see where this relationship's going to go because he's a little older. He's not really, I don't know if he's in the fuck boy vibes, but he doesn't really give me future vibes. His money is way bigger than um, um, Trey Songz. Um, I also think he's way younger than Diddy. <laughs> Diddy did the same thing to Cassie, but that's another topic. Um, so I'm very interested to see where this goes. Um, I like the fact that he posted her. They look cute together. Lori's a very beautiful girl. Michael is a very beautiful man. 
So I'm very interested to see where this goes. And I know like many of you, we're all going to keep watching because this is very good TV. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. As always, um, listen, if you haven't, give me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow the page Run That Ish Back on Instagram.